Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again. Cheer up the pilgrims, be joyful and sing. Jesus is coming again. From Los Angeles, California, we present the program of the Voice of Prophecy. A voice crying in the wilderness of these latter days, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. And now we invite you to listen to our broadcast and share with us the mutual blessing and inspiration of this hour together. Listen to our wondrous story Counted once among our lost Yet one came down from heaven's glory Saving us at awful cost Who saved us from eternal love But God's Son what did he do? He died for Where is he now? In heaven in the sea. Will you surrender to this Savior? To his scepter Father, Thou art the Almighty Maker of heaven and earth. We come to Thee through Thy beloved Son, whom Thou hast given to live our example and to die for our redemption, who Himself loved us and gave Himself for us. Take away all iniquity, receive us graciously, and love us freely, as Thou hast promised in Thy Word. In this troubled world, bring the triumph of human freedom and speak peace to the tempest of war, that thy word may be proclaimed in all the earth through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest the heart of God. 
hold us who wait before thee. Near to the heart of God. Greetings to our radio friends everywhere. Today's broadcast will prove different and we believe challenging. God's holy word is full of truth, you know, some portions of which have been revealed to all of us and other portions perhaps concealed from some of us. We think of the old church covenant made by Christians three centuries ago. I promise to walk in all God's ways made known or to be made known to us and we think of the words of old pastor John Robinson to the pilgrims as they departed from Holland to find a home in the new world. I am very confident, said he, that the Lord hath more truth and light yet to break forth out of his holy word. I wonder, friends, could that be equally true today? I for light, for Bible light, should be like old King David's. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. voice of prophecy. Seven days in the week. Why are there just seven? Why not ten or some other number? Well, why not? Did you ever wonder about it? In the first place, the word week comes from the same root as the word seven. It really means a period of seven days, not ten days or five days or three days, but seven days. So we see that the word week really signifies seven. Where did the week start and who started it? According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, the week being a period of seven days has no reference whatever to the motions of the stars, the sun, or the moon, and, quote, those who reject the Mosaic recital will be at a loss to assign to it an origin having much semblance of probability, unquote. And that's certainly true. The free-running week is not connected with any natural division of time, such as the month or year. 
As we trace the records back through the centuries, they lead us closer and closer to the Bible story, which is that God created all things, including man, in six days, and then rested on the seventh day, after which he blessed and sanctified it, thus setting it apart for a holy use. This is clearly stated in the first and second chapters of Genesis. It's all summed up in the first three verses of the second chapter as follows. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Fifteen hundred years later we find Noah measuring time by a period of seven days, Genesis 8:10. And nearly 700 years later still, we read of a young man very much in love who had to wait seven days in order to be married, Genesis 29:27. Smith's Bible Dictionary, page 745, says of the week, its antiquity is so great, its observance so widespread, that it must probably be thrown back as far as the creation of man. The week and the Sabbath are thus as old as man himself. According to the Bible, the week with its seven days was made at creation, and that's a long time ago. Nearly 6,000 years have passed since God put seven days in the week, and the week, friends, then came into existence as an act of God over 2,000 years before there were any Jews as a nation on the earth. It's been suggested by some the Sabbath was made by or for the Jews, but you see, according to this, this idea cannot be true. In the beginning... And in the Bible references, the days of the week were numbered from one to seven, or the Sabbath. But when the people drifted away from the worship of the true God, the days of the week were dedicated by the Chaldeans, Egyptians, and others to the sun, moon, and planets. These heathen peoples worshipped as gods the sun, moon, and the five planets visible to the naked eye, which together were known as the seven planets. And they assigned each hour of the day to one of these planetary gods in rotation. The first hour of the first day, as we have it now, was assigned to the sun, so that day was called Sunday. And so they went through the whole 24 hours of the day, dedicating each hour to one of the seven planets in the order that they were supposed to have in their revolutions in the heavens. And when they came to the first hour of the second day, it was found by this system to correspond to the moon. So that day was called Moon's Day or Monday. And so on through all the days of the week, the names were given by pagan astrologers who worshipped the heavenly bodies. And now in this modern age, these names still appear in the days of the week. Most of them changed, however, into Anglo-Saxon form. In this broadcast, we can't take time to explain in detail just how the names of the planet gods were changed to our present names, Mars Day or to Tuesday, for instance. But a book by Robert Odom entitled Sunday in Roman Paganism, just from the press lately, makes it all plain and most intensely interesting. Dio Cassius, the Roman historian, says that Pompey captured Jerusalem by attacking it on the day of Saturn, which was the same as the Sabbath observed by the Jews. On that day, the Jews would not fight, so the city was taken. This was 63 years before Christ. So we have the identity of Saturday with the Sabbath made certain from that time to the present, because the millions of Jews still consider the seventh day to be holy, and it still coincides with a day called Saturday in our calendar. And another thing to remember on this subject is that Julius Caesar made a scientific adjustment to the calendar in the year 46 B.C. And this same calendar, with a slight change regarding the months, which had nothing whatever to do with the continuity of the days of the week, 
is the very calendar that is on your desk or that hangs on your kitchen wall right at this moment. And so, friends, we have the universal fact of the existence and custom of the Jews all over the earth. We have the testimony of history and the scientific accuracy of the calendar. To this, we must add also the records and practice of the Roman Catholic Church in considering Sunday the first day of the week, the day on which Christ arose from the dead, the Greek Catholics and Protestants who also agree with this idea, and the Mohammedans who also recognize the week by observing Friday as the sixth day. Now let us go back to the beginning and work forward to modern times. Genesis 2, 3, we've already read, where God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it at the end of the creation week. That's clear. Now the lives of only two men bridge the years from Adam to Abraham. So the wonderful record of creation and the story of Eden would be passed on from father to son. We're told that Adam lived 930 years, or until Lamech, the father of Noah, was 56 years of age. Lamech lived until Shem, the son of Noah, was 93. And Shem lived until Abraham was 150 years old. How eager the people must have been for nearly a thousand years to see the first man, to talk with Adam, who had himself talked with God, and to hear from his lips a description of that paradise in which he had lived, to hear from the lips of one created on the sixth day, the story of creation week, and the very words of the Creator when he set apart his rest day to a holy use. And this knowledge was handed down through the generations. Someone asks, was the knowledge of the week lost in Egypt when the people of promise were in bondage? The answer is no. Because when they came over the Red Sea into the wilderness, as you read in the 16th chapter of Exodus, beginning with verse 22, they received the manna. It fell, you remember, on every day except the Sabbath. They were to gather twice as much on the sixth day. They knew when that day came without being told. For 40 years, this miracle of the manna, double supply on the sixth day, and none on the seventh day continued. Certainly an unforgettable lesson in the existence of the week and God's attitude toward the Sabbath which marked it off. So you see, the Israelites knew the days of the week and had certainly not forgotten them in the land of Egypt. In the 20th chapter of Exodus, we read of the record of the giving of the Ten Commandments by God. It was spoken by his voice in thunder tones from the top of Mount Sinai. They were written by God, not Moses, on tables of stone. The fourth commandment reads as follows. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. This refers to the Sabbath and the week as coming from creation. This is God's day of rest and gladness. Oh, day of rest and gladness. Oh, day of joy and light. Oh, balm of care and sadness. Most beautiful, most bright, on thee the high and lowly, who bend before the throne, see.
And notice, friends, especially that the fourth commandment traces the obligation of the Sabbath back 2,513 years right to the creation and declares that men are to remember to keep it holy because God rested upon it after the six days of creative work. So you see, this identifies the Sabbath and the week of the fourth commandment with the Sabbath and the week of creation. This brings us to the 800 years or more that the Israelites were in the Holy Land. Did they lose track of the week of seven days during that time? Hardly. First, there were strict laws in force regarding it. Just read them in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Second, special offerings were made in the temple on the Sabbath. This marked off the week and kept the correct count of the days. Third, the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, and others, were sent by the Lord to remind the people of God's commandments and to correct them when they went astray. Read Isaiah 56, 2-6, and Isaiah 58, 13, in reference to the Sabbath. These passages show that the people knew the days of the week all right, but were careless about observing the seventh day as many are today. In Jeremiah 17, 24, we read a promise by the Lord that if his people would obey him and observe his Sabbath, Jerusalem would stand forever. But in 2 Chronicles 36, we read the sad story. They neglected it and as a result went into captivity to Babylon for 70 years because they broke the Sabbath. They certainly learned their lesson there. And when they came back to Jerusalem, they had not forgotten it. As mentioned before in this broadcast, they went so far as to refuse to fight their enemies on the Sabbath, even permitting themselves to be slaughtered without resistance. You read that in the history of 1 Maccabees, the second chapter. Next, we come to the time of our Savior. When he came to this earth, the Jews were super strict in observing the seventh day of the week as the Sabbath. In fact, they were so afraid that the people might profane it and as a result go into captivity again that they hedged the Sabbath about with dozens of man-made laws and regulations and made it a burden instead of a blessing. No, indeed, the Jews had not forgotten the days of the week. They knew when the seventh day came and they were on the watch to find fault with anybody who was guilty of the smallest deviation from their strict rules about it. You remember they found fault with Jesus once because he permitted his disciples to rub a little wheat in their hands and eat the kernels when they were hungry one Sabbath day. You'll find that in Matthew 12. And in the fifth chapter of John, it's recorded that these ancient blue law advocates actually went so far as to try to kill Jesus because he healed a poor sick man on the Sabbath. They accused Christ of being a Sabbath breaker when he had only ignored their man-made restrictions and human traditions. They knew when the Sabbath day came all right they hadn't lost track of the week, but they had lost sight of God's beneficent plan for the Sabbath. Christ was the Son of God. He was with the Heavenly Father in the work of creation and the making of the Sabbath in the beginning. And he said to his critics, as recorded in Mark 2, 27 and 28, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man's good, and Christ claimed to be the Lord of it because he was with God in the beginning, and he himself the active agent in the creation of all things. And later on when he was crucified, we find that those faithful Christian women who had planned to prepare the body of our Savior for burial and had not yet accomplished their labor of love when the setting sun brought the holy hours of the Sabbath. Read what they did here in Luke 23, 54. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. 
And the women also which came with him from Galilee and followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. You see, the Sabbath day in which they rested was the Sabbath day according to the commandment. That fact identifies it with the Sabbath of creation because the fourth commandment, as we saw a few moments ago, refers back to God's sanctification of the seventh day at creation for its origin. The Sabbath which the holy women kept was the Sabbath day of the commandment, and the Sabbath of the commandment was the Sabbath of creation. So the chain is complete from creation to Christ. And the record says here in Luke 24, 1, that the next day after this Sabbath the women kept, the Sabbath of the commandment was the first day of the week. This gives us a Bible record of the seven days in the week from creation to the cross, about 4,000 years without a break. And of course, from the crucifixion to our day, the calendars, histories, churches, astronomers, and others have a perfect record of time. So we have the week with its seven days marked off by the Sabbath, reminding us of God at the creation and of Christ at the cross. Every week, friend, as the Sabbath rolls around, it's a testimony to God and to Christ and to the Bible. Just think of that. We have the week as a reminder of God, a reminder of Christ, of creation and of the cross. It comes to us every seven days. Do we pray to God? Do we trust in Christ? Do we read the Bible? Oh, friends, let us not make the same mistake as those men long ago who forgot the meaning of the week with the Sabbath. God's holy reminder at its close and drifted off into a spiritual night. They rejected not only the Sabbath of the Lord, but the Lord of the Sabbath, along with the week. May we all be among those servants of Christ, of whom it is said, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Reading Revelation 14, 12. Radio friend, are you willing to let the Lord have his way with you? Will you say, in the words of the beautiful hymn, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. The power, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. Have faith, dear friend, 
in God. unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.